song you just heard is Dog of War by the Hell Yeah Babies, which means I'm Nick Bond. I'm Andy Miller. And this is How Wrestling Explains. Exciting episode today, Andy. Maybe the most exciting episode we've had since our last episode together, uh, because we were talking about Bret Hart in Canada, uh, which is, for me, my favorite single storyline in the history of wrestling. I don't think it's the best. I think there are other ones that are better. Uh, But in terms of a succinct rise and fall of a stable of a character uh it's it's just awesome basically from beginning to end and it really is and i said this to you while we were watching the canadian stampede match which we'll talk about uh a little bit later on uh that that match and that storyline to me is the pinnacle of wwf style storytelling like done to perfection where it's good guys versus bad guys and it's but it's not that western style that dusty does it's like its own hollywood version of like almost like the avengers i usually we don't do do this but i i I think that we're going to be talking a lot next week about uh this week's topic so i think we're gonna do south park bigger longer and uncut and it reminds me a lot of that (laughs) style of story which is like perfectly it's tight everything kind of makes sense even if there's a lot of tangents it's a really perfectly styled story of what good versus evil actually is like uh, again we'll talk about it next week but there's a lot of like in canada bret hart's god the hart foundation are perfect baby angels and in america they are awful heels who do terrible things and it's incredible because they did that by telling the same story. No matter what, Bret Hart's in America. He goes, you know what? I'm a Canadian. Canada rules. America, American fans, you're dicks. I hate you. You like you scummy guys. I mean, you like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Look at this asshole. Yeah. And then when they go to Canada, Bret Hart goes, American fans are dicks, but you guys, you guys are pretty damn good. And he said that in America too. He'll be like, Canadian fans are great. You guys are terrible. Yeah. So same promo in yeah right across it's just literally he explains the it's basically he he's like you know that conversation i'm gonna tell you how i actually feel because i don't even have i can't even do it while i'm down there in canada like i love you so much i don't even have time to spend because i'm too busy complaining about america like the american fans turned on bret hart just like they were supposed to yep and And the canadian fans we're pretty much told you think Bret Hart is God. And they went, yeah, yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's the fucking best. Yeah. And it's a really great cap on a bunch of storylines. that starts off the Hart foundation, like the slow descent into hell of Bulldog and Owen in terms of being going from like, Owen was kind of always a, a bad guy ever since he broke up with Brett, but like he broke apart from Brett when he kicked Brett's leg. Yeah. His leg. yeah. Never forget. Never forget. Like, kicked his leg out of his leg. Um, yeah, that and the bulldog uh, turning heel and then literally like being in camp Cornette at one point, like they are some of the biggest heels on the show for a while. And Brett had for a long time been a, the baby face of baby faces. And, he's kind of been dislodged from that by Shawn Michaels and he comes together with Owen who's been feuding with for like going on this point like three years basically 
in in very serious ways like they had a blow off in 94 but at the at the same time that is still a, a rivalry where like if they cross paths they don't get along they still don't like each other it's not like tensions have relaxed then he comes out can't you see can't you see this is what all these people want Family values. That's what they want. They've had us fighting for years. It's all these people right here that had all of us fighting. What are you fighting for? For what? To satisfy a bunch of people that don't know the first thing about family values. Listen to me. I'm asking you, I need you. I need you. Yeah, USA. You're talking about a country that's based its entire history on brother against brother. They got talk shows all over this country of families airing out their family problems because they all hate each other. And that's what they've done. They've taken our family and turned us into a bunch of haters. They've turned you against me. We fought. We fought like two men in Wembley Stadium. And after you won, I hugged you. We came back to America. They turned us against each other. And listen to you and me. Look what they've done to you and me. I was the one that got you to the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, you laugh. He's making sense, McMahon. They push you and they push you and they push you. They push me, they push us against each other. And they've driven this wedge between the whole family. You know, they what they do to Diana? Huh? It's such a perfectly logical way yeah. to end the fighting between the hearts. Yeah. Because Brett just comes out in front of the American fans and goes, this is what they want us to do. Yeah. They've turned us against each other. We're stronger together. Screw these guys. Let's go be Canadian heroes. Yeah, they... It's a very... It's abstract and it's like... In a way, but it's very concrete in the reasons it's happening. It's like the the beauties and the simplicity. Yes, that's, like that's, it's it's sold like it's the most complex story. But yeah. it's like no, it's a splintered family that they came together and said they all want exactly. Us to There's this. That's a real. It's a really clarifying moment. I guess is is what I'm saying. Is it like it takes us at all these abstract nebulous like they just don't like each other. Why don't they like each other? Like does Owen uh, really have like feelings of inadequacy relative to Brett? All this stuff, which is really complex, and then. Brett just like calls everything out and is like, listen, like we've been through so much together. Can't we just come together? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I can see that working. If you can tell in Brett's, in the way he performs it, to be honest, how much he actually means it. If you read Brett's book, he he fully marks out for the moment himself where he talks about like Owen's lip quivering and whatever else where he felt it. Yeah. He he actually felt it and you can... Feel it in his delivery that he yeah, felt it. And he's excited. I think it comes across that he's excited to be working with Owen again. Because Owen, uh, pretty yeah, infamously, notoriously, however you want to put it, is like 
one of the most beloved people, obviously his brother especially, but like Owen, by all accounts, is one of the best people in the history of the business, which is why it was so tragic, both the way he died and that he died. Like, the way he died is obviously like just an awful, terrible thing. And the fact that he's gone is like, Kate asked me, because we were watching, he was like, oh, do people like him? It was like, everyone loved Owen. It wasn't like his his approval rating was like a hundred and ten percent. So everyone minus Stone Cold Steve Austin loved Owen yeah. Hart. Yeah, and even even Steve Austin liked Owen from what I I believe. I don't think he did. He the the, the broken neck kind of left the sour. The broken neck in the aftermath kind of. Oh, left okay. Sour yeah. Okay. So they had a little personal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Je ne sais pas. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, and obviously those are the under weird circum, like, specific circumstances, but yeah, like, that Owen, Roz Owen, right after he died, is really, so, especially, uh, reading Brett write about it after Owen had passed away in that moment, you can see he's, and this, uh, Brett had, um, kept pretty, uh, serious records of how he like he would record stuff and write stuff down he had like it's like pretty meticulous the note because he wanted to write a book when he was done (laughs) um but yeah you can you can definitely see that come across in the promo and it's the beginning of a really great feud that basically to me this era right here is the actual beginning of the attitude era because it's like a meta storyline, but in a in a like soft launch kind of way, where it's like a meta storyline about the industry changing well, through it's the prism of because yeah. Bret Hart is so openly, he's always been such a mark for himself, mm-hmm. for lack of a better phrase, where he's always like that he takes His, that, I'm the catch, best there yeah, is, yeah. the best there was, the best there ever will be. He believes it, yeah, and like I'll tell you right now, as a kid, I believed it because yeah. I, because he believed it. But when the fans started going towards, you know, the flamboyant Shawn Michaels or the, you know, the trashier Steve Austin or you know, away from I'm a traditional wrestler and I'm the best towards that guy flipped me off. I like him or that guy yeah. shook his dick at me and I like him or whatever the case may be. He got pissed. He got hot that the crowd wasn't as into him. He. Again, because he felt it and he believed it, you believed it with him that he was an angry jerk about yeah. what was changing. And he that he wasn't wrong. Like if you listen to what he's saying, he isn't wrong about like the state of America and the like fact that it's really kind of insane that they think Stone Cold is this great hero when he's clearly a menace, like a in, like a violent. If he were not a wrestler, would be a con, like a violent convicted felon. Like you've never just walked into work and beaten up your boss. No, flipped or him off, drank a beer, or like left. went or broken into somebody's house because like. They pissed you off at work and shit like that. Like, dude, catch up. Are you even American? <laughs> and I think like Stone Cold, especially at this point, is an actively bad person. He's not good. He's just an actively bad person that people relate to. Yeah, and he. There are glimmers of like him not being a total piece of shit, but you're still a little bit away from that because that really starts after Brett leaves. Uh, spoiler alert, we'll be getting to that. Um, Brett never leaves. <laughs> your spoiler heart, here. but the wrestling yeah. ring. He, oh, okay. he goes to Georgia. Thanks, Goldberg. Um, uh, he, uh, the big Georgia in the sky. Um, 
And in that moment, you see, like, everything connecting for the next, like, five years of television through all of these machinations happening at the same time. You get DX, you get Stone Cold Steve Austin, you get Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon coming out of the Bret Hart shit is maybe the most important thing. Not just from the Montreal Screwjob, from Bret, like, getting pissed off when he loses the cage match before WrestleMania 13. And, and he like, throws his, this is bullshit. Yeah. Is fit? Spicy, spicy. Yeah. And it's, it's really, he is the one that brings out Vince to well, Mr. He makes McMahon. Mr. McMahon a character on yeah. screen that we realize that Vince is more than a bumbling announcer. Yeah. It's, it's oh, he's the, he's the evil emperor this whole time. Yeah, it's like they... So you have this original version of the Vince McMahon WWE variety hour. And it's basically Hulk Hogan. And then it's a good show. It's very popular. And then they replace him almost like Doctor Who with another guy. And it's this incredible talent who like is so transcended in terms of the like way he plays the character that i think it drew out every since he was real to him he made everybody else more real or like they in a way that worked for them like vince being mr mcmahon he doesn't seem exactly like that but like he's clearly like a person, a tyrannical boss, basically. It's there. Yeah, it's and there. Just it's turn like, the volume up he, on that part to 12. Yeah, and it's like Stone Cold became more of like uh, a more real person as opposed to just like a murder, death, kill guy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like He became a more well-rounded person in terms of a character working with Bret Hart. Because that you pull this like because his matches are so real and his promos are so literally what he actually thinks, and I think that's another underrated thing is like everything he's saying he really does actually feel he's he's not a good promo in the sense that especially at this time in the Bret Hart in Canada area he's not a good promo in the sense that like he has a bunch of catchphrases and shit he's a great promo in the sense that he's like. Hitting all of the talking points he wants to He's not to a hit. sing-along, but yeah. he's selling tickets. Yeah. He's, he's selling, selling your feud. He's selling the story. Yeah. And he's doing it in a very matter-of-fact way, like we said with the, oh, uh, Americans clap like this, Canadians clap like this, except when Americans clap, they have guns in their hands. Basically, like, honestly, like, shit like that. It's that weird juxtaposition of him saying, like, we take care of each other in Canada. You people let people die on the streets and stuff like that. And, like, he actually digs in on America. But when he does that, a lot of it's like, you know, that's not really true. And fuck you for telling us. Yeah, but, like, how dare you? This is America. We can do whatever the hell we want you're Canadian and it's like he kind of has it coming because he's constantly talking about Canada too and that's what I was kind of getting at before is that when he goes to Canada he very briefly talks about how terrible America is and then it's like Canada's the fucking best isn't Canada great aren't we great it here it becomes less about shitting on America if he just goes straight baby face yeah, yeah he just becomes a straight baby face and he's not saying anything different like you said he's just changing the ratio of because he wants to be a babyface in Canada. It's the culmination of a specific kind of story being told 
through like this abstract idea before you get into the real fake real where like everything's a work shoot except for like stone cold and mr mcmahon who are literally just like cartoon wwe cut off from everything but when like these are the kind of things that are leading the show it's like a it is the attitude era style realness without any of the like hyper sexualized teenage boy like Coat of that Vince Russo jerking off. Exactly. Today. No, it's exactly what it is. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like in that that they had this at the time. But it doesn't feel like it was sprayed with axe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. If if this was the Attitude Era, they would have taken this drank Monster Energy drink, punched yeah. a hole in the wall, and, yeah, and yeah, sprayed it with axe and jerked off to it. And, and I think work. that Vince Russo might have even been. I think he was around at this point, but he's not. This isn't. He's not taking over the show yet. He's not taking over the show, and this isn't Crash TV. It's TV. Crash TV comes out of this in some ways, but not until after, again, Bret Hart leaves. Basically, he is the last of the, like, we're going to build an entire show. You are the show, and WWE after bret hart becomes the wwe and then all of their performers underneath where like bret hart hulk hogan was bigger than the wwf or close to you because i'd say that for a while steve austin was a wwf because there were there were periods of time where the success of the show the ratings and box office business was directly dependent on what austin was doing i'm raising my hand who is he doing it with Mr. McMahon, for the most part. And I think that's... He became a representative on the show for, like, the McMahon point of view. And it became less about... This is when they're doing the WWE commercials and stuff like that. I'm not arguing that they didn't have stars after Bret Hart. But this is when ESPN went from, like, Chris Berman to, like, the ESPN is the worldwide leader in sports. You can't become bigger than the brand. And if you do, we just let you leave we don't do the hulk hogan thing of like oh you can have creative control for the next six years because we need you so bad i'm not saying hogan and austin were the same but if anyone was ever going to be bigger than the brand again it was austin at this yeah point. he came the closest but i think he never quite became as big as, he could have he left he got hurt mm-hmm. but he left multiple times and they kept the ship going pretty well where like if hogan got hurt in the even uh, let's say wrestlemania four to five like wwe wwf might have like not made it out of that i think because you have to when the mega powers explode and that or and then ultimate warrior and stuff like if he gets hurt in any of those points where like he got hurt in what 1998 he lost a, a year of and they were totally fine but three years later, he turns heel, and the ratings tanked. Well, that's because nobody was interested in seeing heel yeah, Austin. But I think but that's but that's also a, a sign that it, you know babyface Austin was. I also think that with that, they didn't get a chance to do what they actually wanted to do. Isn't that they had him do the two man power trip with Triple H? The Triple H's leg fell off. I mean, uh, yeah, and I think that's even then the ratings sharply sharply oh. dropped i mean yeah i think there are other reasons so what you're saying is it's triple h's fault 
it's all about the game and how you play it. Stone Cold was a huge star. I think what happened is they didn't like the direction his character took because it was done in a way that the second that they had him do it, it was like, oh, well, no, we did it. What do we do? Where, like, it made sense in the moment to have him... What what he should have done, and I, I think Stone Cold himself said this, is he should have stunned mm, yeah, Vince. That... He should have, like, agreed to do the thing with Vince so that he's a heel, but he's not with Vince. His line has always been that he should have gone to Vince and said, watch the stunner and kick him and stun them. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a few years post. Yeah, 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 no, but I, I think... Well, no, if he came back, so he turns heel at WrestleMania 17. Yeah, 100%. I'm just I'm trying to do the math on numbers and it's it's 17 because it's the it's the rock match mm. it turns heel at the end of it and that's when you're saying the ratings tank but it's also because the invasion sucked the invasion hadn't really started yet proper they just bought the company but what we... I'm saying is the reason the rating part of the reason the ratings tanked is because they no longer had the Monday Night Wars to boost ratings as much as it had been. Because it was like an actual competition. Like I think ratings had been going down basically since WCW shit all started shitting all over itself all the time. Just like like a like an untrained dog just everywhere and like diarrhea. Like uh Batch of the Beach two thousand one. Great the, show. I have no the, idea what you're talking about. The Vince Russo. I'm joking. Oh, okay. Uh, I that know. bald son of a bitch. <laughs> you say anything you want. You can do anything you want. You can break kayfabe on live pay-per-view if you call Hulk Hogan bald. We're going to court, brother. <laughs> That's a shoot, brother. Um, it's a motherfucking shoot. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's why the ratings tanked more so than... But I, my larger point is that Bret Hart was like Bret Hart being screwed over by Vince McMahon and then that becoming Mr. McMahon made it so that no character could become bigger than the company in the sense that like they now had had a governor on the characters because God was literally standing next to them and like I can smite you anytime I fucking want I don't care who you are so it like in the storyline gave them a reason to like put the brakes on anybody and i think that changes the dynamic just in the sense of like you went from like having basically like a championship committee and like jack tunney and then gorilla monsoon and then a bunch of other people to like no god is here it'd be like if you voted a president for a president and that president was like a crazy person filled with like would never happen way just like curds and way just like top to bottom, head to toe, I'm, I'm, filled with curtains. I'm and very water. carefully trying not to say anything about this comparison. Uh, um, I'm really, really trying hard to behave here. And that person, you were like, people thought he was an authority, right? And then God himself, the creator of the world, came down and was like, nah, this motherfucker ain't in charge. You'd be like, oh, the game's changed. You like, know nothing of my work. <laughs> exactly like it would change and that's basically what bret hart almost forced them to do that because he took wrestling too seriously and this run is like the quintessential example of him taking wrestling just a little bit 
too serious. Is this the quintessential example, or is the Shawn Michaels feud leading up to the screw job itself the example? Well, I think that they're and refusing to lose in Canada. I think that they're part and part. I think that all of this, this Bret Hart and Canada New Heart Foundation, it created a sense for him after a, I think a little bit of time walking around in the wilderness. Oh no, I'm a big fucking deal, and I'm really important to the show. Both of those things are true, but long term. I don't think he was going to be because I think that guys like him that gave a shit about whether or not they were champion became a problem for Vince. He was like, oh, you give a fuck? No, like I'm not that stupid, man. It's like a fucking toy. Like it's a it's a title. It's not a I guess it's not it's a, a championship. Game. Damn yeah. it. Yeah, it's a prop. It's like, I think that that's when, and if you look at the way the title started changing hands after Bret Hart loses, like it went from Hogan having it forever to like, it started bouncing back and forth and then Bret Hart has it for a while and then he loses it like a year later and then fucking Diesel has it for a year and then all hell breaks loose basically after that. Like Shawn Michaels gets it, he gives it out. There's like a bunch of shit. It gets, starts getting passed back and forth. The second Bret leaves, it's just like, it's Sean, and then it's Stone Cold, and then Stone Undertaker, and Triple H, and Kane, and, and, yeah, and Mankind. It be- and- yeah, and it becomes like, it goes from a thing very few people had had to this thing that you win when you're a top guy, quote unquote. Like, it's no longer, one guy has a title and you're constant. everybody's constantly chasing that person. It became, whoever has the title is the person who, like, is the starting quarterback basically it's like a or like a the leading score that i think that. you go more from having a starting quarterback to having your pitching rotation yeah exactly so it's like nope we've got five top guys here they yeah are. exactly oh but this guy gets the spot start enjoy yeah and exactly exactly i think that this it the bret hart in canada heart foundation new heart foundation run is such a push through what had come before like it goes from bret hart starting to get upset that the fans don't believe him the same way through out the other side uh, in a very real way through like an actual they go through the paces of a story develop the story have stakes raise the stakes meet the stakes then add new stakes they keep going and going and going and it literally culminates with the most real thing that's ever happened basically in in wrestling at least the wwf where it's like literally they were like this is a tv show and this asshole won't let us kill off his character so we're going to shoot him in the fucking face that is almost literally what happens and it changed and this is around the same time that Vince did the very famous uh, Cure for the Common show promo where he's like, this is a fucking TV show, guys. And we're going to make it better. And we're going to make it better. It's going to be fucking awesome. This storyline is them going from wrestling to television. Being a wrestling, a television, a wrestling television show to a television show about wrestling. It's this storyline as far as I'm concerned. Which, of course, brings us to, and we mentioned this earlier, our central viewing, which is the 1997 uh, In Your House Canadian Stampede. It's the 10 men. Live from Calgary? 
and Alberta, Canada. Alberta, Canada. Yeah, it's like, uh, are you saying what is yeah, it? You got to landstorm the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> the longer the pause, the more it's just better. You just got to pause forever. If you could actually extend that pause, can I be serious? If I could be serious for a moment, <laughs> we're gonna rename the hardcore title. The Saskatchewan Hardcore Invitational title. <laughs> because hardcore wrestling is shit, Nicholas. I love Lionstorm. Um no, it, yeah, so it's a ten man tag. It is okay, let me get this. The US team is Stone Cold, Gold Dust, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, and Ken Shamrock. And they face off against the Hart Foundation, which is, of course, Brian Pillman, uh, Anvil, Jim the Anvil, Nine Hart, the British Bulldog, David Boy Smith, Owen Hart, and Bret Hart. I Actually, that one I did in the order they came out because they announced them individually. And the and crowd they all came to the ring as a unit, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, and so, like, people are excited for Brian Pillman, but they're excited for what Brian, Pill- Brian Pillman, like, portends. Before we even get to Brian Pillman, they were excited for the Americans. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, cool! It's the Road Warriors." Oh yeah, like they—they they, he think they're like a Road Warrior pop, especially relative to the other people on the show that got actual Road Warrior pops. But they get a good pop. Uh, Goldust, the only person that really gets booed as he should is Steve Austin, and it's because he's a terrible asshole person <laughs> in Canada. In Canada, yeah, taking on five. Well, two Canadian heroes and, and three, three can- other guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's really something to listen to the crowd react yeah. to the Hart Foundation as they come out. Because the, the reaction to Pillman's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're right, excited cool. about what Pillman's like, oh, shit. They're, it, Here comes the Hart Foundation. Yeah, exactly. And he's over. He looks great. Yeah, it's he's great. Anvil I, comes out. Looks like Anvil. And you know, gets, gets a, good a pretty pop. gets a good a good reaction. I wouldn't even say he got really like a strong pop. He it's got like, like you were famous here. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we like, like you. you. And then David Boy comes out, gets a decent pop with Diana Hart. With Diana Hart, which really like that helps Helped. him. Yeah. Uh, and then Owen comes out, and it's a big big boy pop. And then Brett gets announced, and they're just like it's Jesus just walked into the church. Yeah, it's CM Punk in Chicago at Money in the Bank, like that level of just like, oh, we are so fucking excited. Here's the guy we paid to see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very much has that. Like, no, this is a hometown show for that dude. This is like a Bret Hart wrestling federation show that all these other motherfuckers happen to be at. It's that level of pop. It's just like the king is home and everybody's fucking lit. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and then the match is very hot for most of it. There's a couple. Of, obviously, you got the heat and stuff like that. There's but, a couple awkward spots. Yeah, looking at you, Ken Shamrock. <laughs> but they're for the most part they tell a strong story of the Hart Foundation, and you know, we have to remember the Hart. Family is at ringside, which we'll get to in a little bit. Make sure you don't forget. Um, Yeah, Bruce Bruce does. Yeah. And they, the Hart Foundation, uh, basically, since they have Stone Cold, and they also have, you know, the the Road Warriors aren't exactly like baby faces. Like, they're the Road Warriors. They beat people up. 
and they like when they're, they're here to no sell and punch you in the face. Yeah, exactly. And like if they're gonna, they might like throw you over the top rope in a place where it was illegal just because they could and stuff like like they do stuff that is illegal without being out and out cheating. I think it was a good way to put it. They like they are not. They kind of fit with Austin. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, we're gonna do whatever the hell we want. And Ken Shamrock is just an animal. Uh, and Goldust is Goldust, so he like he also exists outside of the rules, but in a more like statementy kind of way. Like he was androgynous. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that word means. I have to look it up. But uh, thanks, Dustin. They are treated like they get their asses beat basically um, in very mean ways, but they also do a decent amount. They are not full babyface in this match, but. It's um, it's almost like when you know how you go to when they used to go to Canada, they would call it Bizarro Land. Mm. That's basically what this match feels like, in the sense that they are cheering for people who are clearly heels. Like for the, for the crowd, the Hart Foundation is is straight babyface. Yeah, even though they're working as heels, they're doing heel shit. They're like. They're making, you know, they're taking advantage of people in the corner and stuff like that. They're doing a lot of bad guy shit. And the Canadians are just like, this is the fucking best. There's a lot of Brian Pillman running in and punching motherfuckers in the face. Yeah. When he's not legal. And the crowd's just like, yep, cool. Thanks, yeah, Brian. awesome. You're Appreciate the best. It, <laughs> Go Brian's, Bengals. Brian, yeah, Brian's number one. Uh, and it really gives a vibe of... We don't give a shit if it's legal as long as it's our guys. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, it feels like a hockey game, honestly. Mm. I don't think it's a coincidence. Obviously, the teams work out five on five because of the Hard Foundation. But, like, I think that really helped give it a feel of, like, two teams against each other, even though the Americans are not that cohesive of a unit. But I think that the Hart Foundation really gives off a vibe of, this is a home game for us. And it really works in the way that if your team plays dirty, but they're your team, you don't really care as long as they don't go out of their way to injure somebody. Because then it's kind of like, and it's obviously different for wrestling, but it's kind of what, and they actually, now that I say that, they hurt Owen and then they have Stone Cold get hurt by like injured. Right. Fucks his leg off. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You earned it. Yeah, exactly. They, they, build it in a way it honestly feels very much like the ebb and flow of a like a, a hockey game where it's like they're doing really well there's they're really getting a lot of good hits in on the americans and the americans just start like parking in front of the goal and just being like we're gonna like just survive this shit and hope we can like get you by playing cheap and then the canadians are like nah motherfuckers you want to go hard we will go hard and they that's like when brett uh just completely takes out Stone Cold's leg with a fucking fire extinguisher. Like, just beats him with a fire extinguisher. Brett's mean. Yeah. And it's great. I love watching Stone Cold and Brett together is so much fun. because It's wrestle porn. And they really loved working with each other in a very clear way. They, like, really get after each other, but in a way that, obviously, Brett is one of the safest workers I can think of. But, like, in particular, there is this controlled frenzy style that they have where they really like they'll sw- they'll do the like punch for punch and stuff like that and really get after each other there's a couple times in the match where they did that but that, it never feels out. like they're getting wild or potatoing each other it's like they're just good 
it's just like good post defense or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like just playing up on the ball and doing what you're supposed to and working as hard as you can to make the other guy look good. Cause and him reciprocating for him or her reciprocating for you is like really what works. And it, it works uh, for now that the reason I bring up the women's division isn't just arbitrary. It's Becky and Charlotte where like they actually hit each other they understand if we make this look good it works for both of us and that's what matters is like us both getting over because we both need somebody to work with so might as well be us so let's just fucking go for it and i think you definitely get that vibe with brett and stone cold but it all culminates in in the entire heart family ending up in the ring and austin going out in handcuffs after trying to fight all of the heart fa- family, yeah, after sneaking back into the ring with a ring full of hearts, yeah, and they all go like, after game on, and they go really, yeah. And Bruce tries to dive in when there's already twelve people on top of Bre- oh my god, uh, on top of Austin, yeah, um, fucking Bruce Hart, fucking Bruce Hart. But yeah, I think this whole match from beginning to end really encapsulates a lot of what worked for this specific storyline in terms of. A, you had a bunch of really great workers. Like, Nightheart's the worst worker, and he's totally decent for a guy that age who's, like, the fifth option on that team. Like, the guy that's going to job out to anybody important or even remotely important. And if he doesn't, it's going to be because, like, Owen and Bulldog cheated for him or Pillman cheated for him. He's, like, the little man on the totem pole in the New Japan stable. Exactly, and it's, like, he's still a totally... For that character totally serviceable he doesn't need to be anything but he's in the he's in the ring with brett yeah intercontinental champion owen hart yeah european champion and tag champion davy boy i think so yeah and and brian pillman who is obviously uh, not what he was utility man at this point he's still like psychology wise he's one of the best in the business so like really really works as this cohesive unit it also helps establish for the Babyface is going against Brett at this point. There's a gauntlet you have to get through. And it's not necessarily people you are competing with for titles or anything like that. It's literally people who are stopping you from getting to Brett because they're family. So it doesn't even come off as like them being, why, why are you doing this for Brett? It's like, it's because he's my... Why don't you get to Brett? Yeah, he's my literal brother. He is the uncle of my kids. Like you know what i'm We've saying been like, tag team partners for 15 years yeah exactly like it's all stuff that really make he's my brother-in-law yeah. his what his I bang his sister like yeah I, I should probably not let you beat him up yeah like exactly there's and the pillmans are pillman is considered they treat him like a member of the family like it really works as a way to tell a story about a family that is not a family but is a family i know that sounds kind of convoluted but it's They're it's cohesive they're cohesive, but they're cohesive in the way that, like, the Andersons are. Andersons and Ric Flair and eventually the Four Horsemen. It's it's a very similar vibe to me in terms of it's people with real connections that a lot of were developed through wrestling, but it doesn't make them less real connections. Like, it's very clear that Arn and Rick were jay and silent bob like you know what i'm saying uh but in terms of just like hetero life mates like clearly actual friends who met through wrestling 
but it doesn't make the fact that they met in this world other than Owen, obviously, but like he met everybody else through wrestling. He met both uh, Bulldog and what's his face met through going to Calgary, going to Stampede, going to Stampede. Yeah, exactly. And he like, and the whole family is the family, the way they are through wrestling. So it like, it feels both very wrestling and very real, which again, I think is why it was the perfect Trojan horse to get, this new style of more realistic storytelling through because you had so many real things to play off of. You didn't have to make up conflict or work shoots or whatever. Everything just came out naturally from this part of the storyline that everything was real, all of that kind of stuff, how Brett felt, how the relationships between everybody. And you can juxtapose that with whatever wild shit you want, because that shit's so real that you don't have to fake it. It just works. Okay. So, yeah, but. And all this, Brett's a hero in Canada, leads us to Montreal. Mm-hmm. And it's more or less the downfall of Bret Hart. Him being a hero in Canada. Yeah. So, it, it, it's great that it led to a, a really good story. Well, I think. We got we got great stories out of yeah. it. We got great matches out of it. And one of the but best sells also, of a single move ever. The super kick over the wheelchair fantastic it's when it actually aired yeah it didn't air when it was supposed to because <laughs> brett went along with this promo <laughs> such a good sell though i don't give a shit oh it's oh, fucking amazing because it's brett sean yeah um but it's also the end of brett's wwe career mm-hmm. and it also leads him to wcw which went really well yeah um, and it's led to 20 years of bitter brett okay so here's i'm not disagreeing it didn't that it it didn't lead to 20 years of bitter brett what i will say is this there was another like 10 years before that where was also bitter brett bitter brett is brett hart oh he's just a miserable prick yeah as he, someone who's met brett hart and interacted with him yeah he's don't meet your heroes man like, <laughs> damn but I think with Bret Hart, it's, he did actually, and actually Mark and I talked about this in our Infinite Jest David Foster Wallace episode, that they are put upon tortured geniuses. Bret Hart is the one who tortured himself and put all of this stuff on himself. Yes, he was a genius. He really was. Bret Hart is an actual wrestling genius. He's one of, if not the best worker I have ever seen, match to match to match. And he's also had some of the best matches in the history of wrestling, some of the most incredible storytelling in the history of wrestling, and and on top of that, great technical matches. In the context of those great storytelling matches, he's as good as you can possibly ever see, I think. He's so you're saying he's the best there is. The best there was and probably the best there ever will be. It's either, it, But he's it's him and Daniel Bryan and Ric Flair and pretty much that's it. Like Those are the three guys in the American, the modern American wrestling that are like at that level where they are the probably the best storytellers and the best technical wrestlers overall in terms of being able to work at that style of match for their time or even push it a little bit farther so you look at like flair's work rate in the 80s is like really high because he has cardio 
like a lot of cardio. <laughs> but no, I mean, Rich and I have been watching uh, a lot of Ric Flair, and his it's just constant, like all that stuff he does at half speed in the the '90s. He's doing a hundred miles an hour in the '80s, and it's like you can see. And Bret Hart is the same thing. Where like guys working now are going as fast as Bret Hart was going then in a lot of ways, and Bret Hart was a little bit faster than Ric Flair was. You know what I'm saying? With the the spot, for instance, when he gets thrown into the... The sternum bump? The sternum bump is like... Ugh. It's very similar to the Ric Flair bump. And you see him do it when they're younger at these, like, out-of-control fucking speeds. And you look at where he thought his career should have been, what should have happened, and all this shit. And you realize he's a great wrestler. He's also a crybaby... Who thinks wrestling is real? He's a great wrestler who believes his own hype. He's a mark for himself. Yeah, he's a he's a guy who believes the marketing around him. Yeah, it, it'd be like, and it's I understand the ways in which that would be hard to separate. He's that level of gifted, and worked hard as hard as you possibly can to get where where he was at the same time. And I think that really fucked with him is that if he was like, if I looked like Hulk Hogan and I was doing the things I was doing in the ring, like, well, here's I'd the be thing the greatest too. wrestler of all time. Terry Valia played Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Bret Hart played the role of Bret Hart, who looks like Bret Hart, who wrestles like Bret Hart, who talks like Bret Hart, and goes on TV as Bret Hart to do Bret Hart stuff. So it's really hard to turn off being Bret Hart when you're always Bret Hart. Yeah, and I, I think that obviously eats away at you but part of what made bret hart work is that he was bret hart and that's what makes him great and it's i think that in and of itself is the curse more so than the montreal screw job in terms of not the curse but the reason that the montreal screw job happens isn't because bret hart is a hero in canada the reason bret hart is a hero in canada is he's bret fucking hart that's all he had to do was be Bret fucking Hart and he was going to be here on Canada. Do you know why? When you have the best wrestler of all time is one of your guys. They had 1.2 million people at the fucking championship parade today in Toronto for one basketball championship. They take their shit very fucking seriously. When you never win. Well, no, and that's part of it is that you're constantly competing with this giant fucking like behemoth beneath you your entire lives so like when your guy is a the guy that changes everything look at fucking chicago with cm punk or the blackhawks or the cubs when your guys or girls are the guys or girls like look at america with the women's world cup like we don't fucking watch women's soccer that much but when the women are doing well we're like fuck yeah man are the women doing well yeah i'm not watching soccer not Um, yet you but you'll probably have to start reporting on it for work nope i don't do sports oh you don't do sports you should start sports does sports you should do sports luckily i don't have to worry about sports (laughs) don't have to pretend that soccer matters soccer's Um, greatest sport god ever created so when you've got a market that takes its guys its wins that seriously in modern wrestling i think you can say that that market is being seriously underserved or under marketed to I, I'm, I'm not sure the, the wording that i'm looking for 
But like really since Edge, you haven't really had a Canadian star who's who's been the guy. You've got Kevin Owens, who's great. Like mm-hmm. hey, he's from Montreal, and when they dip through Montreal once every six months, they let him go out and say a sentence in French. The crowd goes, "Yay!" And then he goes on about being Kevin Owens. Same with Sami Zayn. But I feel like we don't even really get Canadian tours anymore, Canadian shows anymore. And you've got you've got Canadian workers, you've got the guys. Could they be doing more to maybe not go full Bret Hart, where you end up with another Bret Hart situation, Bret Hart ego? But could they be doing more to present? So essentially, a batch of Canadian superheroes. Are you asking if he got poisoned by being a Canadian wrestler? Bret Hart definitely got poisoned by being Bret Hart and being a god in Canada, because he. He started saying, "Well, I, I can't lose here. I can't." That I, to I'm me a is superhero. I okay. And, so and, and so like so so Brett. There was a clear issue when Brett got too big for himself in Canada. So I guess, but I, I to be fair to Brett, and I think this is an important thing to understand, is that he, according to him, did not Reliable want source. to lose to Shawn Michaels in Canada. He offered to lose to other people or do whatever it t- because, and this again is him saying it because, and I think there's ample evidence to point to this being true. Shawn Michaels wouldn't do the same for him. Yeah, I read I read Brett's book, and I'm I'll clarify to to throw this reminder out. Bret Hart's my all time favorite wrestler. Yeah. Period. There's yeah. no competition. Bret Hart has been my guy since like '93. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that Shawn Michaels is an active scumbag at this time, right? So I can understand him being like, "I'm not losing to this fucking drug addict douchebag." In in you're not going to job me out in my hometown to this douchebag who has screwed me over a bunch of times. Whether or not that's true, but it's I not think... his hometown. It's Montreal versus Calgary. So you're They're saying different it states. Was... It's like me saying I'm not losing in America. If we're going to have a match in fucking North Okay, Carolina. so if it was in Calgary, you'd be like, I totally... If it was in Calgary, it'd be like the thing in WWE now where if it's in your hometown, A, you're losing, and B, you're getting a birthday cake in your face. They're like, yeah, we get it. We're not allowed to have... We're not allowed, we're not allowed to have nice things. <laughs> but like, that's just WWE like, ah, fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. That's why. Exactly. But like, with Brett, it's like, I'm not losing in my home country. I... I understand what you're... Yeah, like, now that you put it in that you're, perspective, you're it does. a little ridiculous. And it's not even... It's like, yes, If you were in Toronto, even, you could say, well, it's it's Anglophone Canada. But, like, Montreal, who obviously loves Brett, is, like, a different... And it'd be like if... I'm well, not losing in the Northeast, Nick. I'm not, yeah, it's no, like, it's, no, it's kind of like if... You're from Long Island. We're in Boston. What the fuck? Or, like, it's even more so, it's like if we were in the fucking South or something like that, and it's like, I'm not losing in America. And you're like... It's my home country. And it's like, you're from New York. This is like Louisiana. They don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> like Or Arkansas. You know, like a deep South place that has not... Where it's actively like, no, we wish you I'm didn't exist. Home, I'm in my home we, country in Little Rock. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, Quebec actively doesn't want to be a part of Canada. So, like, that's also an important context for it. So he's basically like, this state that hates our province, sorry, my fellow Canadians. Your states, fuck you. um, Is, uh, literally wants to secede from their secessionists in Quebec. 
and they're like that's the place where you're like no i'm standing my ground and i'm not gonna lose right. now the way that you put it that way i do actually think it's a little bit i think that Shawn michaels is enough of a piece of shit that it clouds everything that happened during that era and i think that's part of the reason like uh, sean was totally a bitch yeah and there's there's definitely it's it's not brett being 100 percent wrong yeah but, but he definitely had a god complex he had a god complex him. that poisoned him and i think that is a function of him being the son of a promoter and then actually succeeding every place he went and earning it and then realizing like there's no more there there there's nothing past what i'm doing all you're doing is eventually waiting for the next guy to give the title to so with all that in mind you still have brett as a top star in canada legitimate star legitimately mm-hmm. loved 20 years later wwe really doesn't serve their Canadian fans that same way where they go, here's your guy. Well, I think spend your money, come buy tickets. We'll be here every month. I think that, and this is going to sound racist. I think it might be the best way to put it. Um, Canadians make better heels now because there is an earnestness to being Canadian that I think is makes people like, so Sami Zayn, I think it's a good example. He is very earnest, might not be the totally right word. He's very forthright in his promos about how he feels about the people in the arena. He doesn't try to be their friend. He doesn't, he did it in Montreal. He goaded them into booing him after like 10 minutes of running around and skanking and saying like three words in French just to get them to pop. But literally while he's doing this, being like, well, I can just keep doing this all night because you guys just eat this up because you're dumb basically like but not even it wasn't even dumb in the sense of like your idiots your town stinks of just like you've been so brainwashed by this company that you no longer can process like any actual feelings that aren't like dictated to you essentially and it pissed them off it actually got them angry because they didn't, they know Canada is like, Canadians are catnip for Canadians. So it's just like, oh my God, there's a Canadian, we have to cheer him. They, they actively wanted to push that out in a lot of different ways because they have a couple of guys in, in Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, especially, that are really good at being bad guys because they are very good at that i'm right and we both know i'm right but i'm going to be right in a way that is so annoying that you're gonna hate me for it and i think that's kind of what Sami Zayn is doing and it's definitely what kevin owens always does kevin owens is owens is almost always like 90 percent right but that last 10 percent is so filled with shit you're like dude come on you know i've never noticed how canadian you are until just now yeah, I'm really it Canadian. suddenly makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm really Canadian. <laughs> Canadian and English. Um, no, it's... There's this very direct politeness to the way they tell off crowds in a lot of ways. Sometimes, sometimes Kevin Owen will just scream. But a lot of times when he's really being nasty, he'll just make a sarcastic but very true and very biting remark. Because he has that Canadian sense of humor where it's like, I'm trying to make you feel bad, but look at me. You can't, you can't get mad at me. 
<laughs> it, that's what it, it you want to, like Kevin Owens pisses people off and then does the, like but I'm a really great dad and you're like fuck you are you're like really attentive and you care about your family and you're like hard working fuck there's this real dichotomy that you can have with Canadians because they are able to not have to fit a mold of like an American hero style thing. They can just be themselves. I feel like Chris Jericho is another example of this where Canadians, because they're foreigners, but they look and talk and act exactly like we're used to Americans acting, except they have like weird accents occasionally edge too. They're all of these Christian, all of these guys that are just able to do weird shit because they're not quite Americans. So they don't have the expectations of being a John Cena, of being even a Stone Cold, the Texas Rattlesnake. That kind of like hyper-masculine, super tough guy, beat-em-up style person. Canadians can actually, because they have the foreigner thing without actually being that foreign, end up being really good heels because they feel just slightly off. You're like, oh, you seem normal and then you say a boot. That's kind of what it is, but in their characters where it's like, you seem like you, you're not, cra- oh my God. Okay. No, you're clearly a crazy person who like, is just angry all of the time. Why are you drinking so much with that? <laughs> Why'd you pee on that? It's a, you're on a Zamboni, sir. <laughs> no, I, I really, it, Canadians make me laugh because they're so Canadian edgy but in a plastic wrap it's like they're a really sharp knife in plastic wrap and you're like oh man if that plastic wrap ever gets up somebody's gonna lose a hand but if it seems like it's pretty tight on there so we should be good and that's why i think a lot of comedy comes from canada is because there's this like like they push forward without actually getting mean in a way that I think American comedy has a tendency to, which is why Owen was so funny. R.I.P. Owen. So, this is, uh, now that we've solved the legacy of Bret Hart in Canada and the Hart Foundation, my question is this. Other than Bret, who is... The best Canadian wrestler. Trish Stratus. I just love Trish Stratus. Um, Jericho. You think Jericho? Jericho by, by a country mile. Yeah. That's that's your. Yeah. That's what you're going with? I'm going with Jericho. Because Jericho's got the ring work. Jericho's got the, the promo. And Jericho has reinvented himself enough times in 25 years. That somehow, like... Mall dad Jericho is fresh and fun. I, I think the best wrestler is, and I, I checked this in case you're wondering because I wasn't sure, is Kenny Omega. He was not, he's not Japanese. Yeah. I think. Spoiler alert. Oh. Why you ruined the movie of his life? <laughs> the whole time he was Canadian? I did not see that twist coming. <laughs> Vince Russo did not write this one. I'm sorry. But no, I think in terms of actual wrestling. I think it's Kenny Omega in terms of achieve that level of achievement where you're great at telling stories and the greatest and the best technical wrestler. 
I do think Chris Jericho and Edge are the most successful and best wrestler sports entertainers. Does that make sense? Like in ring, I think Kenny Omega is better than both of them. I think maybe Kenny's gotten there. Like he's especially modern style wrestling, but it took Kenny a long time to get there. Oh, totally. Um, because I saw years and years ago, Kenny Omega at a ring of honor show where I just kind of went. Eh. And I think in terms of modern guys, I think that Kevin, I, I like Sami Zayn a lot. I think Kevin Owens is like, great in a way that i think Sami Zayn is very good i think he's the only guy canadian guy i can think of that has a chance to like break into that like all-time canadian list i don't think sammy does i don't think sammy long term i think sammy could be at a top level for the next five years i think kevin owens could be in the main event for as long as he wants because he's so big and such a good talker that he can just fight his way where Sammy's going to like eventually not be able to do a lot of this stuff. A little twister, a little, tornado DDT. Yeah. Stuff like thing. that. Yeah. Like Kevin Owens is over. He might not be able to do a frog splash and a cannonball, but he'll always be able to like slam you and shit. Cause he's a fucking massive dude. Yeah. And I, I think that he really has potential to have just such a long career that you're like, he's one of the best ever. I don't love Jericho. Do you not love current Jericho or just Jericho? I think best in the world at what I do, Jericho, is great. I think Jericholic Jericho is great. I think everything else is good to overrated. I really... Okay. find irony and you're using the words overrated and Kenny Omega in the same sentence. I... In the same conversation while putting over Omega and calling somebody else overrated. And I appreciate Kenny Omega. I think Jericho is... I don't like Jericho. So I think that like changes the calculus a little bit. But I also think like for me with Jericho outside of that uh, the feud he has with Shawn Michaels. The best feud of his career. Yeah. It's and like modern day Jericho feuding with, with Japan. Um, and the Dean Malenko. Conspiracy are, theory. Yeah. yeah. Are the two best versions of him and the two best like feuds he's had. I don't think he has that many great matches. I think he's, I think he has a bunch of really good matches but he also has absolute fucking stinkers. He's the main event of WrestleMania 18. I don't care if they put that match on first. That was a dog shit match. It was bad. And he did that a lot. So when he had the, I was going to say when he had the bad match with Kevin Owens, that was Kevin Owens fault. Like Chris Jericho shits the bed. We watched the, we watched the edge Chris Jericho promo. Right? I think that to me sums up the two of them. Is that I think Chris Jericho is a great, like, as good as you can possibly get and not be a Mount Rushmore guy. And I think, I don't think Edge is on Mount Rushmore, but I think if he had not gotten hurt, there's a good chance he could eventually, he would have been so 
accomplished and had so many titles and been around for so long and main evented so many shows that you could see him as like one of the if maybe like if you were to build a second Mount Rushmore, he'd be on. Does that make you know what I'm saying? Mount like, Rushless. But yeah, um, yeah. It, in but between, like, if Jericho is allowed to just go out there and do Jericho stuff, him with Kevin Owens doing the uh, Festival of Friendship mm-hmm. to me is like a highlight real Kevin Owens moment. Oh yeah, I know. And it's a lot because of Jericho, and I I think to to act like Jer- Jericho's matches with that other Canadian guy that we don't mention were fucking incredible. The, I, la- the the rumble ladder match, yeah, incredible. I, and it's like I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna say he's better or worse than an Omega or um, an Edge or uh, that other Canadian guy, but I think to say like that, to write him off as a guy who shits the bed is is a, a little unfair. I, I, I um, I stand by it. I, I stand You're by not it. Even standing. I'm well. Obviously, I'd be weird if I just stood for an hour and a half recording a podcast. Just like I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gying, gonna. Uh, you are lying to the people. I didn't. Well, the millions. No, we should, millions. hour and a half recording a podcast. I'd have to stand and bend over, and I'm look at my look at how fat I am. You really want me just this yes. hanging down? Yes. Gravity doing work on this? Yes. Okay. All right. So I just told you I'm a Jericho fan. I'm into comedy segments. <laughs> now we have, have to hold that. We have to keep in all of that shit just so I can get that joke. I fucking hate you. We have our own festival of friendship. Yeah, you're the worst. And then you can uh, kill me because you're the fat guy. It's fine. Yeah. See, we put Kevin Owens. Why is my name on the list? No, I'm Jericho here. I know. Um, that's what you were going to be saying. Uh, so. You have anything to plug this week? No. Yes. Um, follow me on Twitter, Andy Miller JMS, because juice makes sugar. <laughs> NYWC Wrestling on Twitter and Instagram. NYWC Pro Wrestling. NYWC New York Wrestling Connection on Facebook. That's it. Much better at that than Rich. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> yeah, Rich has told me he cannot get through the plugs. He got. He did an okay job last week. I okay, think. Rich. Yeah. Um, and you can check me out at the next is T-H-E-N-1-C-K-S-D-R. You can check us out at HowWrestlingExplains.Podbean.com, H-W-E-T-W-Pod on Twitter, and H-W-E-Pod on Instagram. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and the Google Play Store. And you can go to Patreon.com slash H-W-E-T-W and uh, give us your fucking money. All of your fucking money and five-star reviews. Or at least $2 for the pod beyond. And If our- $2 is all of your money, give us all of your money. Yeah. What he said. We must stop dirty language from getting to our children's ears. We must go fight the source of it. But what is the source? Oh, that's easy. Times have changed. Our kids are getting worse. They won't obey their parents. They just want to fart and curse. Should we blame the government or blame society? Or should we blame the images on TV? No, blame Canada. Blame Canada. For the beady little eyes and clapping heads are full of lies. Blame Canada. picture on his shelf, but now when I see him, he tells me to fuck myself. Well, blame Canada, blame Canada, it seems that everything's gone wrong since Canada came along. Blame Canada, blame Canada, they're not even a real country anyway. 
My son could have been a doctor or a lawyer, rich and true. Instead, he burned up like a piggy on a barbecue. Should we blame the matches? Should we blame the fire? Or the doctors who allowed it to expire? Fight your tongue secure In the problem 